Welcome to the 167 Podcast, a podcast to inspire, challenge, and encourage you. Our goal is to help you live into the 167 hours of your week away from church. And now your host, Shannon Patterson. Well, hey, Porch community, and welcome to episode 31 of the 167 Podcast. 31. 31. I remember when I was 31 years old. I don't. I hadn't hit it yet. It was about 20 years ago. Oh. I got about <laughs> a year and some change. So you and I are covering, like, you know, all the, the span of of decades yeah, together. Couple, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. We, we speak for many people. Yep. Yes. So uh, We come from very different uh, walks of life. That's right. Yeah, we do. We do. So, Well, as our wonderfully voiced Chris Pender told you, I'm Shannon, and uh, this is Josh, and we are here to bring you... Uh, the 167, meeting up with you in the middle of the week to, um, I don't know, encourage you and help you uh, go titillate a little bit deeper. Titillate your mind? Do, do what? Titillate your I, mind? That word, I can't. No? I can't, no, it's just... I, I get it. <laughs> but... I can't. I can't do it. Um, so, hey, let's jump right in. Are you ready? Yeah, let's Let's do just it. do it. Let's go into it. I mean, there's nothing to... It's raining and we're here, and let's go. Yep. So we are in our third conversation, Josh, of answering these really big questions that people have posed to us, um, whether through email or text or messaging or just conversation. And today <clears throat> we're going to answer what I would say is also kind of a combo question. We, so we kind of answer it because they get asked in different ways. But <clears throat> the questions sound something like, why are there so many denominations? Yep. You know, why are there different denominations? Why are there different churches? And then maybe to drill down on that just a hair, what we hear a lot, what I hear a lot, is what's the difference between a Methodist and a Baptist? Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and you could even throw like a Presbyterian in there maybe a little bit. But Yeah. Um, and I would say on the surface, most people assume the difference is uh, just like, well, they baptize, they baptize differently. You know, those Methodists, they sprinkle babies. Yep. And, uh, and those Methodists, they'll have a woman preacher, mm-hmm. um, which, by the way, uh, episode 30. Please go listen to it if you hadn't listened to it. <laughs> it was very eye-opening. I think we kind of crushed the um, women shouldn't be in leadership argument. I think so, but probably yeah. not. <laughs> well, no, no, no. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's settled in our minds. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, but not, yes. Uh, very, very true. Very true. So um, what's the difference on the surface? Is it uh, just about how we do things? Um, and I would say one of the most divisive debates in, in the history of the church centers around these opposing doctrines of salvation. Yep. Okay. Um, fancy word, soteriology. Okay, so it's this opposing this. How do you understand salvation? And so there's these two opposing sides, and one is Calvinism, and one is Armenianism. Okay, and I wonder how many. <clears throat> most people don't know that those two things exist. They just, but they talk about the difference between them. But they don't know without what, actually <laughs> knowing the terms. Right, right. Or that it's different. I don't want to say theologies, but. Interpretation doctrine. Of, well, yeah. it's a, it's it's a it's a theological belief that then plays out in the doctrine of yeah, yeah. like if you adhere to that theological belief, then this is how your doctrine will look. Um, so Calvinism, 
It's based on the these theological beliefs, like I said, of uh, a leader in the Reformation named John Calvin. He was actually French. His name didn't, I don't know if it sounds French, but I he's thought French. he was English. Yeah, um, he was around in the 1500s. Okay, so it's been a, it's been a minute since he was around. Um, and Arminianism is based on the views of a Dutch theologian named Jacobus Arminius. Okay, and so you get Calvinism from John Calvin and Arminianism from Arminius. So. Um, Interesting. Arminius actually studied originally under the son-in-law yeah. of John Calvin. Yeah. Uh, which I found really I was like, oh, so they were connected. And and when you look at church history, it they made, all yeah. were connected at one point yep. and then as they went. Um, but as uh Arminius was looking into the book of Romans, he really began to doubt some of the Calvinistic doctrines. Um and Arminius's biggest issues, which we're gonna talk about in a minute. Um, that the uh, belief, the Calvinistic um, understanding of predestination and unconditional election made God, in effect, the author of evil because he controls all things, mm-hmm. and so therefore he created evil. And that's that's a really hard thing to, to wrestle with. We'll get into it. I okay. Know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so this led to the breaking away of Arminius. So... Um, I thought this would be interesting. Den- denominations that you probably have heard of that align with Calvinism would be like your primitive Baptists, yep. uh, Presbyterians, mm-hmm. uh, Reformed Baptists, any, pretty much anybody that uses the word Reformed in whatever their church name is, mm-hmm. they're going to be Calvinistic. Some Southern Baptist churches, some. Yep. Uh, and I would say with that, according to statistics, the Southern Baptist churches that would say they are they follow Calvinism are predominantly led by pastors that are under the age of fifty. Yes. So yes. and there's a whole thing yeah. on that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. your your boy Mark Driscoll. I uh, mean, he's old, older than fifty, old, but he has but had he a was, huge influence. He was one of the spearheadings in the Reformed theology. Yes, movement. yeah, like R.C. Sproul and a bunch yeah, yeah. of those people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, now here's an interesting note. Josh, still talking about Calvinism, some of the denominations. Uh, this was from a Lifeway research poll, and uh, which is actually, I think, a, a Baptist uh, uh, you know, connected thing. Yeah. Not that that matters one way or the other, but uh, about 30% of Southern Baptist pastors consider their churches to be Calvinist. I thought that percent would have been higher. Most most would think so. Uh, yeah, I just didn't know. Um, but here's uh, this was even more interesting. Sixty percent of pastors, Southern Baptist pastors, are concerned about the impact of Calvinism in their denomination. Yes, um, because one of the aspects of Calvinism that makes traditional Baptists so a traditional Baptist would not c- consider themselves Calvinistic. By the way, so that's a label nope. that we need to understand as we talk yep. this morning, um, this afternoon, whatever time you're listening to this. One of the aspects of Calvinism that makes traditional Baptists deeply uncomfortable is the idea that Jesus died on the cross only for people who God had chosen and elected mm-hmm. to save, yes. and not for everyone. Um, and so they just have a hard time with that. And with this doctrine of predestination, because that's what that doctrine is, here's what that does. that It's the idea that that person's salvation has already been determined by God. Mm-hmm. Uh, more traditional non-Calvinistic Baptists say, well, if Jesus died only for the elect, then why are we doing evangelism? Dun, dun, dun. Why are we sharing the gospel? Yeah, that actually um, 
it, in the Baptist world that I grew up in, uh, <clears throat> Calvinists got this uh, lazy shtick, right? <laughs> like, oh, uh, it's already been decided. It's already been decided. What's the point? Yeah, kind of like I'm gonna sleep in my bed later. Why do I need to make it? Exactly. Yeah, you yeah. know. Yeah. So why do we need to do missions if mm-hmm. it's already determined if that person's going to heaven or hell? Right. Right. So, um, and then on the flip side of it, so someone would say, "Well, it is already predetermined, but you going and telling them is what gets them is what helps predetermine it. So you're not yeah. following direction. But if God is sovereign, He doesn't need your help. True. <laughs> These are the arguments. Yeah, yeah. These are the yes. the understandings. And and um, you know, I, by the end of this uh, episode, I'm going to tell you where I stand, and you can tell me where where you are. So okay. we'll see where we are. Um, so this eighty percent of Southern Baptist pastors. This is still in the Lifeway poll. Disagreed with the idea that only the elect will be saved. So that that on, that predestination. Um, they just they do not agree with that 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 only those have already been pre-chosen will be saved which i thought was interesting i was like yeah. well and and two thirds of those pastors disagreed with the idea that salvation and damnation have already been determined mhm so wow um all right so denominations that align with arminianism and then after i read after i go through this we're going to we're going to outline what the actual stances are of Calvinism and Arminianism. That's a tough one to say. It is, it is. And they both have these like five letters that you can hang on to that that help you learn it, which honestly, I didn't know there were five letters for the Armenian one. Uh I just knew the the Calvinistic one. Because it's it's a flower. Yeah, well, there you go. So, but here's some denominations that align with Arminianism. Uh, any Wesleyan churches, like if they have Wesleyan in their name, they're Arminian. Uh, Methodist, United Methodist, um, anything that has the word Methodist in it will align with Arminianism. Uh, the Nazarene churches um, are as well. Free Will Baptists, which will make sense as we look at the aspects yep. of what these are. Uh, the Church of Christ and church, Christian churches um, that call themselves, you know, uh, First Christian or things like that are are usually Arminian, and then most of your evangelical churches yeah. would say that they're somewhere in the Armenian. That one gets a little more vague. Um, they might be a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And that's where most of your Southern Baptist churches live in, in this the, area in the yeah. evangelical world, where would, they take yeah. some of both. I would say that just from my looking and listening that. Most of the Baptist churches in let's the southeast part of the United States, which is where we live, mm-hmm. um, most, but not all, because I can even think of some in this town that are they're Calvinists. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah. There, there's a couple. But. Yeah, um, but I would say a lot of Baptist churches are um, probably they're traditional Baptists mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, with a little bit of sprinkling of Armenian. A theology in regard to free will. Yes. Um, and, um, you know. Especially when it comes to mission work. Yes, 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 yes. Um, so. Now that, in my opinion, that will change greatly when uh, my, not, not speaking for me, but my generation uh-huh. of young church leaders yeah. takes senior leadership role. Right. I think that'll change completely. How do you think it will change? I, I think they'll be more Calvinistic. Yeah, in, in their uh, leadership mm. and how the church approaches the world. Mm-hmm. 
It, do you think it's because they're jaded, or is it really just completely aligned with their theology? Um, I've seen it both ways. Yeah. Um, yeah. The ones that it aligns with their theology, it doesn't inhibit how they handle uh, reaching out and yeah. pouring out. The jaded ones, I think you're going to see a lot more. In, those churches are going to be a lot more inclusive. Mm-hmm. You know, all about the people that are already inside and not mm-hmm. doing much outside of it. Yeah. And they won't do anything in the community and stuff like that. Yeah. And I, you know, I, of course, I was reading stuff this morning. I'm always reading stuff. I know you're always reading stuff. But, like, I was reading, uh, I was looking at this really uh, sobering poll, uh, and it showed the decline in church attendance um, from, I, I, I don't even know the earliest day. I, I want to say it was at least the 90s, if not the 80s, up mm-hmm. into 2020 pre-COVID. Mm-hmm. So attendance pre-COVID, because mm-hmm. you want to go, oh, well, COVID, but... No, this was pre-COVID, and um, that decline, um, and it showed it based on age ranges. And every age range, you know, so maybe you're 50-plus people, and then your 30s and 40s and your 20s, and like all those different age ranges, they all had declined from anywhere from maybe when things were going good, like 50 to 60% of that age range was like, yeah, I'm a regular tender. It had gone down to like high thirties, yeah. you know, anywhere from it, anywhere from high 28% to, to really low 40% pre COVID. And they're saying that's going to be considered a high number post COVID, you know, post COVID, which we're, you know, I, I know I talk to a lot of pastors. I'm in a group of conversation. Um, there's, that is the norm right now. Yeah. I mean, that is the norm post COVID made the bottom fall out. Right. So attendance. what are the new, what's the new thing? And the reason I mention all that is because, I think when I use the term jaded, and this has nothing to do with, I think, Calvinism or Armenianism, maybe it does, I don't know, but it's like, okay, are you going to circle the wagons and be like, you know, my foe and no mo, and and we're just going to be here in the church? Or is it, are we going to be like, we got to get out there. Like, there are people who need Jesus. Um, so I, I don't know how that's going to play out, but, um, so, so why all these differences? Okay. Let's, before we look at these aspects, why the differences? Ultimately, it comes down to the fact that both Calvinism and Armenianism are these man-made human attempts to explain ultimately what is unexplainable. Yep. Why God? How God? Mm-hmm. Um, we on this side are not going to completely get no. it. This is these are our attempts of some really smart people over the centuries. Who have come to these conclusions. Right. Um, and it's more ideas than actual conclusions yeah, anyway. Yeah. Um, if you want to think about, when you talk about like the sovereignty of God, which is a big part of this, um, how you view it and how, what does that mean, um, the simplest explanation that I could come up with was an Armenian would say, of all the things going on in the world, God is still in control. Mm-hmm. And a Calvinist would say, that God is controlling all things in the world. Yes. Both of those statements are not incorrect. Nope. Um, but it's how you view them and get to them. So let's get to them. And okay? some of them make your skin, one of them make your skin crawl a little bit. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, it does. And that's, uh, you know, but if you have someone explain it, you kind of go, okay, well, I, I think I understand what you're saying, but why don't, why don't you say it differently on the outset instead of having to explain that to me? Yeah, Which yeah. is where I think, yeah, you know, 
Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, like I said, each of the Calvinism and Armenianism both can s- stand on like five points that represent who they are. Now, and so you'll have someone say, well, I'm a five-point Calvinist, or I'm a four-point Calvinist, or I don't think I've ever heard anyone say I'm a five-point Armenian. I think they just either say they are or they, they're not. But, um, you know, I can see how you of these five you might say, this one I'm not quite yeah. sure on. Yeah, yeah, You know, and... and so let's look at these. The ones on Calvinism are a lot more polarizing than Arminianism. Well, yeah, maybe. I, I, I think um, it's, we can, we can talk it's about a harder it. pill to swallow. Yeah, let's really just is, say yeah. it. I mean, it, so let's, um, let's look at these. So the, tell us the, the five points of Calvinism, if you will, just the names and what it, what it applies to. All right, so uh, the five points of Calvinism is called tulip. 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 The, the flower tulip. The flower tulip. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, total depravity, mm-hmm. unconditional election, limited atonement, irresistible grace, and perseverance of the saints. Okay, and we're going to talk more in depth about what those mean. Right. Right. Um, so the five points of Armenianism are, you can use the word facts, not like I'm going to send a fax, but F-A-C-T-S. Yes. Factual facts. Um, it, the, it's freed by, and, and of course they wrote this to kind of help, you know. Mm-hmm. I wonder uh, which one came out, and then they're like, oh, we need one too. I know that Tulip came out to um, to make a stand against what had been kind of going around about Armenianism, but mm-hmm. I don't think Armenians had put out a five-point thing like facts. Here they are. Gotcha. But the facts would be freed by grace to believe, atonement for all, F, freed by grace, atonement. C, conditional election. T, total depravity. So there's there's yep. one that's the same, but again, how that's interpreted and carried it's out. It's different. And then the fifth letter is S, security in Christ. Um, so like I said, Calvin was around in the 1500s when this was going around. Armenianism was composed in, the facts of Armenianism was composed in July of 1610. Mm-hmm. So little bit later, uh, it constitutes what would be considered like the first formal summary of Armenian theology, okay. theology, excuse me. Um, so here's what I wanted to do. If you line up TULIP with facts, they don't cross over directly with the letters. So I, I wanted us to look at the, the facts of Armenianism, and then we'll find the Calvinism one that even the though it might correlates. not spell. Yeah, so, um, so the first one, Armenianism, uh, freed by grace. Grace is huge in the Armenian theology. Mm-hmm. Um, there's that term provenient grace, which really does not coincide with, with Calvinism. But freed by grace means that God has called all people everywhere to repent and believe the gospel. And, and he graciously enables them to hear the gospel. And that's where that provenient grace comes in. God's grace, kind of that provenient grace, would woo someone, would open doors, would, would kind of open eyes for them to see the work of God. Um, and through that, it could bring about the salvation if, if, if they respond to it, if they respond. Um, but they can reject it. Which is different than the, the we'll look at in a minute. I don't want to keep bumping around. All right, so, um, so God calls people everywhere uh, in this grace, and that God does the work. He regenerates those who believe in Christ. So um, faith obviously comes before regeneration for an Armenian. That's not the case with a Calvinist. They would say that you're actually regenerated before faith, that God has 
elected you already. Your heart's already been changed, mm -hmm. even if you don't even know it yet. Right. But when you finally do, it's because it was already happening. Um, so God has this grace. It is resistible. That's what I just said a minute ago. It's a resistible grace. You can choose it or not. Right. Um, people have free will um, with respect to like their actions and everything. So they can either do what they believe is God's will or they can choose not to. And of course, God has ultimate and absolute free will. And so his choice to supernaturally free the will of sinners by his grace to believe um, is a matter of his own free will and sovereignty. Like he's not, uh, he's, he's made that choice. Like he's, mm -hmm. he, he has that will to say, um, yes, I'm going to give you free will. Like I'm, some of the arguments are God's not sovereign if he gives us free will because then now we're making our own choices. And so he's now no longer sovereign. But the Armenian stand is you know, God is sovereign, and he is so sovereign that he can choose to give us free will or not. Right. So that's kind of where that argument uh, lands. So with Calvinism, uh, the, the correlating side to that, so Armenians are freed by grace. Calvinism would say, no, there is an irresistible, irresistible. grace. Um, you want to lead us through that? Do you want yeah, me yeah, to? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, those whom God has unconditionally elected and for whom Jesus died, God will draw irresistibly of faith in Christ by his grace through regeneration, making faith inevitable. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. So it's this unconditional, like, you have no say in it. Kicking and screaming. <laughs> if yeah. you so choose, you know? Yeah. So like, you can kick and scream, but you're going to go right. Right. one way or the other. And, uh, yeah. and this actually um, notes on one of the big things that people have a problem with yeah. with Calvinism. It uh -huh. says, for whom Jesus died. Yes. And the whole one of the big debates about Calvinism is mm -hmm. God created some, mm -hmm. some people, and we'll get to that, Yeah. Uh, some people knowing that they're going to go to hell. Yeah, yeah. And like that is the big, like, does that... Yeah, that doesn't that is, sound like a God that loves right, everyone. Right, that's a big sticking point, and yeah. that's why a lot of traditional Baptists w are not Calvinistic yes. um, in there. So, um, what's the other aspect of irresistible grace? When God brings elect sinners to Christ, He irresistibly causes them to be willing to come <laughs> to Christ and to come to Him in faith freely. Which, okay, so, and we're trying to be objective, of course, but. <laughs> Do you see the self-contradiction there? Like causing yeah. someone, irresistibly causes someone to come willingly and freely. Like I don't see the problem here. I, it, are you serious? Really? I'm just, I'm just making a squirm. <laughs> okay. I, well, I mean, I'm like, that's like, that's like me going, Mallory, you'll get over here right now and you will smile. And if you don't stop crying, I will give you something to cry about. Yeah. You know, I just, it just, it's just interesting to me. And this is definitely one of those where. Um, a Cal someone who follows Calvinism has to kind of explain what they mean. Yeah, yeah. Um, because irresistibly causing someone to willingly and freely do something is kind of kind of contradictory. I'm sorry. No, Go you're ahead. Good. Go ahead. I'm, uh, I'm showing my cards, of course. <laughs> While God calls all without distinction to faith in Christ, the general call, He only calls those He has chosen unconditionally mm -hmm. in a way that cannot be resisted. Okay. The effectual call. Whew. Okay. So, I mean, that's, again, talking about the elect and, and if there's a literal elect and, and mm -hmm. number. Um, Five-point Calvinists would say there's a specific number, and it's, it's these people that 
whether they want to be Christians or not, they're mm-hmm. going to be. Now, they're not saying they know the number. They're just saying no. there is a number. Well, so... Calvinism, not usually. Right. But. There there are some aspects that Calvin drew from, mm-hmm. uh, that there is a... Puritan, I don't want to say Puritans, because it... I don't it, know if it's... Yeah, I don't it know. It was outside of just the Puritans. It uh-huh. wasn't just them. But there, there was a number. Of how many right. people were going to be in heaven? Like 142,000? I've heard of 144,000, but okay, I can't remember right. who that goes with. But, I don't know, um, Jehovah's Witnesses or something. I don't know. But there, there is that elect, and that's not what they're speaking about specifically right. here. Right, right, exactly. Okay, yeah. Um, those God has not chosen will reject the gospel call of their own will and cannot do otherwise. Wow. Okay, so yeah, I mean, that's... that's so you've got right here, you've got freed... The grace is the is the movement here, the free will of God in Armenianism. And with Calvinism, it's an irresistible grace mm-hmm. yes. um, that you really don't have any say in. It's going to happen. Or, or because, it's not. Because, well, one way it's going to happen. Yeah. It's either going to happen up or down. I don't know how you do that. You're so. getting on the elevator. You don't Right. You don't so, get to pick the destination. Right. So that was, um, uh, let's look at, so the next one in facts, so is atonement for all. That's the Armenian stance which we already just kind of touched on this, is that God loves the world, so all people of all times, and he desires all people to be saved. That is his desire, and to come to the knowledge of truth. This is, this is like where evangelism would say, yes, we, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so therefore, God gave his son to die for the sins of the whole world, not just for an elect group of people. So as to provide forgiveness and salvation for all. That's the whole point of that. And so while God provides for salvation of all people by, by what Christ has done, right, his sacrificial, his substitutionary death for us, right, in our place, the benefits of Christ's death are received by grace through faith. That's how that's received. Just because it was done doesn't mean we all automatically get it, right. which I think... At, there have been times when people have kind of tried to throw that on Armenianism and be like, well, you you know, Jesus died for everyone, so you believe everyone's going to be saved. No, Jesus died for everyone, but now we have the free will to whether we're going to receive that gift or not. Um, so only of those who have, have said yes have uh, accepted that, um, received that. So the other side of that then of atonement for all with Armenians is... Limited Calvinism. atonement. Limited atonement. Woohoo. Okay. <laughs> Christ died only for those certain individuals whom God chose unconditionally from eternity from from eternity for salvation, enduring the punishment for their sins in their place. Okay, so yeah. I mean it's a select number and I I mean we hit we hit that with the grace thing. Yeah, we did. Yeah, we did. So. Yeah. Uh, Christ's death for those who have been unconditionally elected irresistibly brings about their salvation and everything necessary for it, including repentance and faith in Christ. Mm-hmm. And see, that's one of those things that, I mean, I grew up in mm-hmm. with Calvinistic uh, teachings and stuff like that, and that's always been one of those, like, even uh-huh. if I'm pulled, all of a sudden I'm going to have this desire. Mm-hmm. And it's just one of those that's never... it. I have problems with Calvinism and Arminianism mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. of the way I was brought up. Sure. But um, this one has net, I've never been sold by You're kind of like, I'm, I'm kind of more Tuapi. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about that. Where, yeah. Am I a Tuapi? Am I a, yeah, we'll get there. But um, that, st- 
I mean, why would it bring like if if I don't want to go and I'm elected to go, mm-hmm. I would be the one that was kicking and screaming. No, and I wouldn't. no, because God's sovereign, so you wouldn't be kicking and screaming. Is the Calvinistic view? I know, but I just I don't under in my yeah human brain that that doesn't make sense that that's how that would work. I uh, yeah I agree. Now, people always go sovereign God. Yes, that's the that's that, the Cal- that, that yeah. that's their that's and he the, is sovereign. Yes, and neither one of those question that. Uh huh. So, um, but when they use that as the answer, it's like, well, that sure, <laughs> okay. It's, it's like saying Jesus Christ for yeah uh, the VBS answer for everything. Yeah, yeah. So, well, let's keep moving because I think we keep we we're pressing into this. So, so now we've got the F and the A of Armenianism. Uh, so now we're going to look at, so we've got freed by grace and the atonement for all, and we've seen the other side with Calvinism. Here is um, the C in Armenianism, conditional election. So see, there's the word election yes. in Armenianism, which some people go, what? Excuse me, I didn't know about that. So this would say that, here's the word, God has sovereignly decided to choose only those who have faith in his son, which see, some people would even say, that's not, that's not fair. Like, yeah. why do you got to believe in Jesus? Well, the this whole is, Bible yeah, says right. that. So God has sovereignly decided to choose only those who have faith in his son, Jesus Christ, for salvation and his eternal blessing. And this is where you really get into like, all right, is this Armenian or is this Calvin? I don't know. God has foreknown from eternity which individuals would believe in Christ. So God individually chose each believer based upon his foreknowledge of each one's faith and so predestined each to eternal life. That sounds like Calvinism. It does. Okay, so here's, here's how I... I am not saying that I'm a smart person. Me either. Okay. I will say that I had just... I had this understanding before I even knew what Armenianism was or what I knew what Calvinism was. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know, I was trying to explain, like, I don't know how the conversation came up. I was a very young believer, but here's how I saw it. And this is how I, this is how I continue to even teach it is, and you and I live on a linear line. Okay. From our birth to our death, from yesterday, today to tomorrow, that's how we live. God is not restricted to a linear timeline. He is above that. He is the creator of time. Mm-hmm. So he is not bound by time. Um, when Jesus was here on earth, he was bound by time. Correct. Um, he couldn't be in several places at once. Um, whole reason the Holy Spirit came, because the Holy Spirit can be everywhere. Mm-hmm. But that's a whole other thing. So um, so God's not bound by time, but you and I live by on time. So when, when God, when it talks about with Armenian theology, that God foreknew... And that because of this foreknowledge that, that then each one's faith was so predestined, what it means was is above the timeline, God looked down, and because he is sovereign, he saw those who by their own free will chose Jesus. Mm-hmm. He, know, he sees into tomorrow. Right. He's, he's not sitting there waiting going, I wonder what Shannon's going to choose. Remember those books where you could like choose the, um, like, does... Does Bobby go to the candy store? Or does and he then, go to his friend's house? Turn to page, page twelve, right? Yeah, yeah. Like God's not waiting for us to turn the page. Um, so He knows He's above this and He's seen it, and so therefore you could say yes, He has foreknowledge. But really, that's our that's our human word. Mm-hmm. Um, he would just call it 
I think, knowledge. Because <laughs> he's not going looking forward or backward or in right, between. Right. He just he's knows. knows. And that's different because that's not forced upon us. The free, our free will still remains. Okay. So what's the Calvinistic side to, to, uh, to the conditional election that Armenians say? Uh, can they do uh, unconditional election? Okay. God chooses some individuals unconditionally from eternity for eternal life according to His own good pleasure, completely apart from anything having to do with the person, including merit, good works, or foreseen faith. Um, that is usually a really good uh, line for, you know, there's nothing you can do, good or bad, to get you into heaven. Right. So uh, that usually, it takes works-based mm-hmm. faith away. So mm-hmm. generally, that that's a okay thing. Yes. So Yeah. Yeah, you don't want a workspace faith. Yeah, yeah. That's for sure. Um, but then when it talks about some individuals, like that's when people go. Eee. Yeah, when he chose some. Yep, yep, yep. yep. Uh, God withheld His mercy from the rest of humanity, oh, gosh. ordaining them to dishonor and wrath for their sin. Yikes! All right, now let's just let pause for a second and let the listener go. What? Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, in the Calvinistic viewpoint. Mm-hmm. You know, God created people to go to heaven, and God created people to go to hell. That's that in the Calvinistic viewpoint, yes. And um, one of the things that when you hear a Calvinistic pastor, they'll use the word the great orchestrator. Mm. Like he orchestrates everything. Mm-hmm. And, you know, but they won't, they won't talk about that. I, I don't know if I've ever actually heard a pastor talk about, yes, he created people to go to hell. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know if I've ever actually heard that. Yeah. Um, That's a pretty sticky point there. Yeah. I mean, you'll, you'll get people... And even if you believe it, even if you're a five-point Calvinist, you don't talk about it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I say you don't talk about it. I don't think they'd want to. Nope. Um, Thus, by decree, God and for His glory, some people are unconditionally predestined to eternal life, and others are left to eternal death because mm-hmm. of their sin making two specific groups of individuals that can never be changed. Never. Never. And I mean... Which goes back to the whole, then why do we evangelize? Yes. If, if, if it's already foreknew and, and done and, yeah, you know, whatever. But you don't know the great orchestr- orchestration that the orchestr- orchestrator is producing. No, we don't know. So, yeah. so how can you tell a sovereign God that I don't have to do this? Yeah. Because, I, because you don't know his yeah. plans. Yeah. So, uh, but... Yeah, I mean, the Great Commission... Uh, to me, really pushes back against uh, a lot of the Calvinistic, you know. Yeah. It's like, go it, into all the world. Why? To see the world? Oh, no, to tell me about Jesus, but weren't they already elected? I don't know. Yeah. I, and I, but you made that point earlier. It's like, well, maybe that's how, but yeah. I've never sat in front of a pastor I've respected that doesn't think mission work is important. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Whether Calvinist or Arminianist, right. if if they're worth their salt, one of the best things that mm-hmm. that they can push is mission work. Right, which you'll probably find if you really got down to nitty gritty is if they claim to be like a five-point Calvinist, you would probably find that they really are not. Or they might even just say, no, I'm not Calvinistic. So here's the next one in the Armenian theology is total depravity, right? Total depravity. And this is what the Armenian theology says is that Humanity was created in the image of God. We were actually created good. We were created upright. But we fell 
from that original sinless state through our willful disobedience. And so we, we left what, what happened with Adam and Eve, it left humanity sinful and separated from God. And so under that sentence, we were under this like divine condemnation. Like from that point forward, we were going to need to be reconnected to God. So total depravity does not mean in the Armenian theology that human beings are as bad as, I mean, they are just completely a thousand percent like nasty, horrible, but total depravity in the Armenian theology means that, um, that sin impacts every part of a person's being and that people that now have a sinful nature with this sinful inclination towards sin, like this natural inclination towards sin, and it makes every one of us fundamentally corrupt at heart. Mm-hmm. And so it's not like your worm you know, food. It's like now that sin needs to be taken care of so you can be restored to that relationship. Um, so, so humans in the Armenian theology with total depravity, we are on our own apart from God. We are not able to think or will or do anything good in and of ourselves, including even to get merit, like to to do something that where God's like, good job. Like there's yep. nothing we can do where, where he's going to go, okay, I want to throw some salvation at you. Like apart from God, apart from the salvation of Jesus Christ offered to us. We cannot reconnect with him. You hear me saying that all the right. time, and it and it makes sense that Arminius studied under yeah the son of, son-in-law yeah. of John yeah. Calvin, yeah. where where a lot of these things, you know, you always assume they're polar opposites, but they're really not. Right, they're very close, and so um, with total depravity, what that means then we do have free will, but if anyone is to be saved. God takes that initiative, and he does that initiative through Jesus Christ, right? which that atonement has been for all, but we have to, of our free will, choose to be saved because of what God has done. So he's done the saving. We have to choose it. Um, And so um, depravity doesn't equal, like, inability. So uh, it doesn't mean that we don't have our ability to to choose God. So what would be the Calvinistic um, stance with that? Uh, It's a... Also, it's total depravity. Total depravity. <laughs> yeah, you know, but uh, Calvinists Calvinists do also believe that this state requires God requires that God first regenerate a sinner before He can believe in Christ, making Him alive and giving Him a new holy nature. But regeneration does not merely enable the sinner to believe; it irresistibly causes the sinner to believe. Okay, depravity equals inability. Right, so it means like you got no right. choice. So yeah. um, one example that I've been told and, and seen more than once is, um, you know, uh, the U.S. Uh, judgment system is innocent until proven guilty. Mm-hmm. Uh, in this, you're guilty until um, selected innocent. Oh. But not just guilty, mm-hmm. death row. Wow. And then eventually God just comes around. He, he's mine. Mm-hmm. And then you walk out and you walk out of your cell a changed man. Wow. And there's no, there's no appeal you could do. There's, there's no lawyer that there's nothing you could write to get yourself off death mm-hmm. row. Mm-hmm. God just comes and picks you and you walk out a, a different person. And that's how it was explained to you with Calvinism. You know, with that, with that idea in mind, and I don't know how accurate this would be, so I, I, I'll uh, reserve the right to be wrong here, is I'm thinking, okay, with Armenian theology, then that, that would mean that we're in a cell and Christ 
has unlocked all the cell doors, and now we could choose whether we want to open the door or not. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So I don't know, and I don't. I'd have to think about that a little bit more. So, um, so for the the fifth and final letter in the Armenian facts is this the S, which is security in Christ. Security. Um, and so it says that since salvation comes through faith in Christ, the security of our salvation continues by faith in Christ. All right, so um, our salvation comes through Jesus, and as long as we continue in our faith in Jesus, then we have security in that faith, okay? This is where we're landing with the once saved, always saved, mm -hmm. with the Armenian theology, they, that that's is not, not the case. Right. And that's where a lot of people... This is where a lot of even people would say I'm a four point Armenian because they're they're mm -hmm. not too. It, this is this is one of the stickler points for Arminianism, mm -hmm, right? So, um, so what the Armenians would say is just as the Holy Spirit empowered us to believe in Christ, so He empowers us, gives us the ability to continue believing in Christ. Now He doesn't do that without our, you know, our participation. Like it's not like we go, oh, He's going to make me love God. It's just that we have that opportunity and mm -hmm. that ability. Um, God protects our faith relationship with him from any outside force, you know, trying to irresistibly snatch us away from Christ or our faith. And he preserves us in salvation as long as we trust in Christ, mm -hmm. which yeah. when I read that, I'm like, okay, I get that. I totally, totally get that. Like I'm, yeah. you know, I, I, well, I'll get there. <laughs> uh, Armenians have differing views of whether scripture teaches that believers can forsake their faith in Christ and so perish, you know, or whether God irresistibly keeps believers from forsaking their faith and therefore entering into eternal condemnation, condemnation as unbelievers. So there, not all Armenians agree that you can lose your salvation. Right. That's what that's saying. So um, that's the S of facts in there. So what's the Calvinistic side of, of this? Perseverance of the saints. That, that sounds, sounds like fancy. a song. Yeah. <laughs> Or like that sounds like the real um, name of like when the saints go marching yeah. in. Yeah. <laughs> uh, to those whom God has unconditionally elected and for whom Jesus has died and whom God has irresistibly drawn to faith will inevitably persevere in their faith and can neither totally nor finally fall away from Christ because God will irresistibly cause them to persevere. Therefore, their <laughs> blessed eternal destiny with God is secure. Dun, you know, dun, dun. You know, that's the one saved, always saved thing. That is it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then a lot of people go, well, well hold up. A lot of people do those believers' baptisms, mm -hmm. uh, things when they're younger, and then they go do whatever the crap they want. <laughs> and then, like, dude, I was saved in, like, second grade. Yeah, I'm I walked good. the aisle. I walked the aisle. I raised I, my hand. I said that prayer. Yes, and that Brother Billy told me to pray. Yeah. Word I'm, for word. I'm good. <laughs> now, personally, I would say that true faith, whether elected or not, you have the lifestyle that would show that you fruit. haven't lost. Mm -hmm. You would have your fruit of your faith. Yeah, yeah. So let's, let's not get into the whole, well, I... I said the prayer and like that debate. Yeah. Let's let's say, assume it's true faith. Yeah. Um, the perseverance is not based on the believer who may. This is what you're just talking about. Waver yeah. and actually fall. 
into serious sin for periods of time, but is rather based on a continued grace of God. So it's saying like, okay, with your salvation secure forever, even when you fall into serious sin, God keeps your salvation by His grace. Correct. That's what He does. Uh, those who appear to be believers but fall away f- ah, from here's the faith. The, yeah, here's yeah. the, the uh, escape hatch, the trapdoor here. Yeah. And die without faith in Christ, demonstrate that they had not truly come to saving faith in the first place. This is a big one for me. So, so just to be clear, so a Calvinistic viewpoint is someone says they're saved. They, they, they've prayed the prayer. They have their salvation moment. Mm-hmm. Uh and because God irresistibly drew them, or they think, yeah. and yet then they end up walking away from their faith, never to return. Uh, some the the perception then would be, or the understanding would be that that person wasn't truly elected to begin with. Correct. Okay. And uh, someone would say, "Well, their faith was like my faith was real then. Uh-huh. It was real. Me and God had a connection, right. and I just walked away." Like, so it going to irresist tying back to irresistible grace. There's if God has you, there is nothing you could do to want to walk away from that. Mm, If he's sovereign, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, that so saying that you could lose your salvation puts a lot of lot of emphasis on how much power we have over our salvation. Mm-hmm. In this viewpoint, mm-hmm. saying that we could, so saying that we're bad enough, we could take we could take ourselves out of the the gift of salvation, that, right? That God has forcibly given us, right? Right? Yeah. So, woof. So, so I want to do this. I want to sum up some of the biggest differences that we just touched on, um, just real quick, just to make sure we kind of. Because um, the big ones are about sovereignty and election um, and eternal security. So, with God's sovereignty. Uh, the belief that God is in complete control over everything that happens in the universe, His will is the final cause of all things. And Calvinists believe that God is 100% sovereign, and He knows everything that will happen because He planned it. Yes. And Armenians believe that God is sovereign, but exercises limited control in relation to our freedom and our response to that because he sees it, like he has seen it yeah. instead of planning it. And with election, you know, how people are chosen for salvation, Calvinists believe that God elected some people to be saved, and it has nothing to do with their future response, like w- w- how they're going to live or anything like that. And Armenians believe that election is based on God's foreknowledge, like he's above it and he sees it, of those who would believe in him through faith, which means God chooses those who chose him yep. on their own free will <laughs> based on man's response to God's offer of salvation. So, yeah, clear as mud. Uh, eternal security. This is what we know. We have, we have the perseverance of the saints, like you just said, which is tied to that once saved, always saved debate and the question of eternal security. So the Calvinist says that believers will persevere in salvation because God will see to it that none will be lost. Right. Believers are secure in their faith because God will finish the work he began. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, Armenianism says that because of free will, believers can turn away or fall from grace. We've heard that term before. Yep. And potentially lose or leave their salvation. Yeah. And there there are even, <sighs> even some denominations that yeah. uh, one sin, you've lost your salvation. Yeah. 
Yeah, and then you gotta you gotta come right back. Yep. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, in the Methodist Church, you only get baptized once. Mm-hmm. And I want to holiness. You can get baptized as many times as you want. Mm-hmm. Every every time, actually, every time you sin and you re mm-hmm. uh, give your life to Christ, you're supposed to get baptized again. Oh wow! I know, there was this one guy I worked with when I was like 16 or something. He'd been baptized 150 times. No way. Yes. <laughs> Oh wow! Well, getting some free baths. Yeah. So, well, so if we want, let's just totally muddy the waters here, okay? There's two other views of soteriology that I wanted to mention. And soteriology again is, is the study of salvation. Yeah, like how you how salvation plays out. There's a term I had not heard of until I started working on this, and and they call themselves Calvinists. No one calls them that. <laughs> I know, right? Calvinists and Armenianism. Calmenianism is that's the term. Calmenianism, and it's a combination of the two terms, and it's it describes these many different viewpoints that all fall somewhere between full Calvinism and full Armenianism. So interestingly, like a majority of Christ, most likely, Josh, a majority of Christians could be described as Calmenians. Yeah, because they have a they might fall here or there. Like so, if you divide them by points, you between. A five-point Calvinist, there could be a, you know, you could have two points of Calvinism and three points of Armenianism, you know, like that right. when you look at your um, stances. Now, here's one that actually I think, and I, I get that. I think that's more kind of a, I mean, I think it's kind of serious, but I don't really, like you said, I don't think anyone's running around going, I'm a Calvinism. <laughs> but this is a this is a new term. Okay. That hasn't been around very long. There's this great theologian. I encourage y'all to check him out. Named um, Leighton Flowers. Uh, he's on YouTube. But uh, he would call himself a provisionist. Flowers. He really missed his opportunity. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, but he. Well, he used to be. He yeah, used yeah. To be one. Uh, but he. He would call himself a provisionist or provisionism, and the term, like I said, it's it's a newer term of of Christian theology. And these, these labels have only been formally defined and used in, in the past couple of years in, in these broad terms. So a provisionist is someone who holds generally an Armenian view of free will and of mm. salvation with notable differences such as a positive belief in eternal security so that you couldn't lose your salvation. Um, and the main gist of provisionism is the idea that the gospel is the word of God, which is sufficient in itself yep. through the power of the Holy Spirit to enable a response in all who hear God's appeal to be reconciled to him. So you see the Armenian yes. stuff in there. Um, the, the clearest difference between a provisionist doctrine and more of the classical Reformed theology, which would be Calvinistic, yes. um, are seen in the concepts of total depravity and limited atonement. Mm-hmm. Um, the doctrine of total depravity suggests, you know, like we said, all people are inherently sinful, and they could not even want to be saved without a direct predestined act of God, where a provisionist would counter that all people are sinful and responsible for their sin, but they are also responsible for answering God's universal call for them to be saved. So you right. see that's a little more Armenian. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then with limited atonement, it's the doctrine of teaching that Christ only died for those that God predetermined to believe, mm-hmm. uh, where a provisionist would reject this, saying that the Bible teaches that Christ died for all people, which is why God promises to save any who come to faith in him in Romans 10. Romans 10, we read that. 
Um, so that the the provisionist holds that Christ genuinely desires all of humanity to be saved. So you see the provisionist um, and the Armenian connection there. You know, as we kind of, I don't know, finish this up here, Josh, <laughs> the different denominations and different uh, theologies and understandings disagree over which points are correct and some reject all or some of another system of theology. Um, and it really, it leaves a lot of believers with the, kind of this mis- mixed perspective on what, what their church believes or what their denomination yeah. believes. And, and I'll just bring it back to this point, because no matter what you currently believe, it's important to note that all of the doctrinal points in both theological positions of Calvinism and Arminianism, and I would even throw provisionism in there now, because yeah. I'm, you know, as I study it, it's gaining steam. They, they all have a biblical foundation, which is why the debate has been so divisive, divisive and enduring throughout church history, yep. because they both have a biblical foundation. Um, and so because Calvinism and Arminianism deal with concepts that go way beyond our comprehension, our understanding, mm-hmm. this debate is going to continue. Right. Um, and so, you know, he is a mysterious God. And um, I think that's something that will never... I don't think it's like, well, who's going to end up being right doesn't um, matter. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, so, I mean, an Arminianist and a Calvinist can mm-hmm. go talk, can debate about it in heaven, and Jesus will tell you both of you are wrong. Yeah, that's right. That's right. But they'll both be there. Yeah, yeah. If they have true faith, they will both be there. Mm-hmm. So I would. Uh, so we said we were going to say kind of where we stand. Um, I am most certainly Armenian. Um, like I said, I, I was Armenian before I knew what Armenian was. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I would say I'm five point Armenian pretty much. I, I do have a little, that eternal security yeah. part is the part that, um, that kind of, um, that security in Christ that can we lose our salvation is one that it's not that I don't agree with it. Um, because I, in the position I'm in, Josh, I mean, I've seen people and, and I've seen people walk away from the faith, like completely walk away from the faith. Um, and I haven't, they haven't perished yet. They haven't gone on. Right, right, right. So I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm certainly not going to judge that or make that determination for them. But I've seen people drop it and walk away. And yeah. so that makes me wonder. But then at the same time, I just, uh, you know, I don't know. That's yeah. the That's the one that I don't. I'm not a thousand percent sure on as far mm-hmm. as my Armenian theology goes, um, which, you know, if any of our any of our people that listen to like the on the Board of Ordained Ministry listens podcast, like, you might want to straighten that out, Clark, like, <laughs> before you do that. But um, you know, that's kind of where our our theology is. So, so I'm I'm Armenian, and I would say I'm a uh, let's see, what's the letter for the um, that security in Christ? So that would be the S. So I'm just kind of at fact fact. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, where would you say you are? Uh, well, so my upbringing is kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. I was always under our an Arminian lead pastor, mm-hmm. and my youth pastors were always Reformed Calvinists. <laughs> wow. Yep. Yep. So, um, I 
I used to say I was a Calvinist because, you know, that was the hipster Southern yeah, Baptist yeah, yeah. thing. Like, there weren't hipsters. You're in the know. They were Reformed Calvinists. Wow. College students. Yeah. If only you could grow a giant beard. Yeah, but I can't. <laughs> and they and the ones I was around would read books about books of the Bible and not read the Bible. Mm. Like, they'd read commentary and debate commentary, but wouldn't talk about the Bible. So, um, when I came to FUMC, I mean, I, that that was me 80%. I was probably a 4.5 Cal, Calvin, mm-hmm. because, you know, the limited atonement there still kind of bugged me a little bit. Sure. Uh, no problem with once saved, always saved. Still, still believe that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there are some, like, free will sounds pretty good. Mm-hmm. You know? So I'm I can't classify myself as either of them at current point, but I, what I can classify myself is that I don't care. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I'm I'm trying to grow grow closer to Christ. Yes. Not necessarily. That's right. John Calvin or Arminius. Right. I will say this: Shannon is my lead pastor, and I look to her uh, first and foremost for my biblical teaching. But when I do look outside for more uh, other studies, mm-hmm. I do tend to pull closer towards Reformed pastors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just because just it's what I know. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Sh- Shannon is my direct um, teacher preacher, but the ones that I listen to in podcasts and stuff like that tend to be more Reformed and Calvinistic. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, but that's me. Yeah, it doesn't, ch- it doesn't change your... It doesn't change your faith, like, no. and I'm not talking about you in general, right. not just you, but I'm talking in general. Um, you know, I think uh, as you were talking, I'm hearing you, and I'm going, "Gosh, you really sound like a." If you had to put a name on it, you sound a lot like a provisionist. Like, oh yeah, I mean, I've read a couple of things about it, and it sounds good. And like as you, yeah, and, and I think, and I'm not trying to put you in a place, no, 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 and yeah. and you're right, like for me to sit here and go, "Hey, I'm Armenian," like, um. You know, I would say to someone who's going, if to someone who this is really important, mm-hmm. um, which is very interesting, and we do need to know what our doctrine is and our theology is, and we need we need to know that so that um, we're not all over the place. But at the same time, um, you know, we all need to be in a place where, let's say, with the church, yeah. that we are in a place where we're getting uh, teaching that is orthodox. So sure. that means it's 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 in line with scripture, um, and you know there's a lot of different ways you can preach that orthodox teaching. So there's a difference between style and you know teach and like teaching scripture. Some people will go, well, I don't like their style, and then say, well, I don't think they're really spe- preaching the teaching the Bible, and it's really more about stylistic issues. But um, you know, make sure that it's orthodox and that's in line. And that, you know, if you're looking for a church or a place to plug in or a Bible study or anything like that, that that it's gospel-centered. Yep. It's about Jesus Christ. Yep. It's about our need for a Savior mm-hmm. and our opportunity to be reconnected with God, mm-hmm. whether that's irresistibly or of your own free will. Yep. I, and, <laughs> I, and I would even say, because I've kind of stumbled upon this myself, trying to figure out who, who I am as a faith adult. Mm-hmm. And if you walk into a church and they talk more about Calvinism and Arminianism than they do about Jesus, Jesus, run. Bye.
I mean, unless it's a specific series on on that the the fathers of faith or yeah, something yeah. like that, yeah. you know, okay, fine. If they make it a very <laughs> like upfront aspect yeah. of the church, yeah. it's probably not where you want to be. Yeah. Either way. Yeah. Or if 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 a church or a group is wanting you to uh, disown or disavow uh, a specific belief you have, like that's like a prerequisite, Wh- then you gotta go. Um, hold on a minute. Why? Which I, I think I, I don't think I've ever said thank you to you and Bob for the fact that you know I do have different beliefs than a traditional Wesleyan Arminius person mm-hmm. and. I'm welcome to keep those beliefs. Oh yeah, and and it's fantastic. Some places do not let you do yeah, that. Yeah, if you want to be, uh, I I don't know about the Methodists if they all yeah. are cool with that. Yeah, but like if Catholic, well, you forget all that Protestant <laughs> stuff. Oh yeah, and I know even uh, I was I mentioned Leighton Flowers. I was watching. He was interviewing um, Andy Stanley actually uh, a while back, and he they were talking about like churches smaller churches mostly but how they hire and that um you know a lot of them talking about the baptist churches would be like well okay josh you're about to come on staff here are you reformed yep that and that's like generally in the questionnaire a yes or no is it was a make or break yeah you know um so anyway but uh, well this is i hope has been interesting to our listeners today i know that um you know this i could if I'd had to write a paper on this prior to doing like actual study, I, 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 I would have gotten a couple of these things. I think I'd have been pretty close to being right or correct in my understanding. Um, but I'm glad that we walked through yeah, this because I, I missed some Ar- more. I didn't know some of the Armenian stuff. Yeah. Well, there you go. So, yeah. um, but do you, knowing that I'd say that I like doctrinally, I'm, uh, you know, I'm Armenian and now you've heard me read through them. Do you see that? Oh, play I mean, out in like my teaching and yeah, like yeah. how I like before we even talked about like before we would even talk about it because it's not like something we talk about on yeah on the daily at staff meeting yeah yeah I mean it was clear you were I didn't know how far you went on the Armenian yeah. side but it was yeah. easy to tell you are Armenian yeah um yeah. I don't know if I put off Calvin mm, much, uh, not really but, but I don't know what is that like yeah exactly you know like you said it's kind of like you put off Jesus. Exactly. So. And that's what, that's what, that's we, what should we should be doing. That's what do. we should be doing. That's right. That's right. But it's easier to put off Arminianism because of free will and grace and stuff like that than it is mm-hmm. the Calvin stuff. Yeah. So. There you go. There you go. Well, um, listeners, this is normally when we would say, hey, this is what we're going to talk about next. But uh, I don't know what we're going to talk about next. I, I will think about it while I'm on vacation, and we'll wait and see what we hear from people. But um, it's been cool doing these last few. I mean, I've enjoyed all 30 episodes, 30, yeah. 31 episodes yeah, yeah. that we've done. Um, but um, uh, but going these have into been this fun. Been, yeah, they really have. So as always, like, share, subscribe, do the things, and um, keep on listening. And let, let us know if this is beneficial to you. Like when we say that, we're not saying like we – I'm not even saying like write a – you know, a review, which would still be really cool. Texas. But like, yeah, let us know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Just because it really encourages us and lets us know we're, we're again, providing content that's helpful for you in the 167 hours away from when we're together. Pivot. (laughs) Pivot. And on that Friends Reference, we've done like three or four episodes in a row with the Friends Reference. Yeah, we have. We have. All right, Porch Community, we love you. Uh, We will talk to you. See you very soon. Thanks for listening. See you. Bye. Bye.
You've been listening to the 167 Podcast. Join us next time for more insights to inspire, challenge, and encourage to help you live into the remaining 167 hours of your week.